0: The Rockin' 25 College Basketball Poll is put together by sports experts from around the country. While some voters see one or two games a week, our voters see games live, on TV, and really understand college basketball. It's time to release the Rockin' 25 on the Rockin' Pregame.
1: And it's our college basketball rocketologist from the Rockin' 25 College Basketball Poll. We're joined by our friends. Uh, founder and lead bracketologist for Bracketometry.com and contributor for the Primetime Sports Network, Dom Lisi, and NFL and college basketball contributor to Tease the Dog, Michael Hunter. So, guys, the NBA has devolved from shooting mid-range to throwing up shots from inside the half-court stripe to a high-post pick-and-roll lob dunk. So, which teams in the NCAA are showing the best from the offensive end so far this year?
2: Uh, I mean, well, most of the teams are the ones kind of towards the top of the rankings like you'd expect. Purdue's offense has been fantastic. Connecticut's offense has been fantastic. Arizona. One team I would want to point out, though, that isn't really up there in the rankings, whose offense has looked phenomenal, though, is Alabama. This is one of those teams where if they can figure it out on the defensive side of the ball. Um, if they're a kind of a lower seed later on in the year because they couldn't figure it on defense, but Do figure it out, they could certainly be dangerous and hot shooting can beat anyone. So, and we've seen they've lost uh, Purdue to uh, Creighton to good teams, but in close games. And that's if that defense kind of comes together, they could suddenly start winning those games and be a dangerous team. The offense is there, they just got to figure out the other side of the ball.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Dominic kind of nailed it. I think Purdue is kind of the obvious answer. We saw these freshmen have really solid first-year campaigns last year. We're hoping they're kind of growing into their own as far as their shooting goes and showing some kind of consistency. Obviously, with Zach Eby in the middle, that gives them the best inside option in the country, bar none. If those guys are able to offer some consistency from the outside, then reduce the obvious answer to this question. I think Baylor, also kind of checks those boxes, though the metrics don't really support that. I think they have the capability to be one of the best inside-out teams, especially with their freshman Jacoby Walter, as well as the, the Macy kid, who is uh, an absolute beast inside the paint and on the offensive glass. Uh, you know, Kansas also well-balanced offensively. Dickinson, obviously one of the best big men in the country. Dewan Harris, one of the best uh, perimeter defenders in the country, if not the best perimeter defender in the country. So, I really like all the teams, and it's it's you can pick and choose kind of what you like to see in what uh what fashion you like a team to play in but all the teams in our top seven are really kind of vying for that spot as being great on both sides of the ball (laughs) and jeff i know that you love the nba about as much as i do so uh i think we're all grateful to be college basketball
1: fans (laughs) indeed well michael we know kansas baylor and oklahoma are good in the big 12 but who are the teams from the middle uh to tail end of the big 12 that are still dangerous this year
0: you know, I know that they're in the top four right now, but I think Iowa State is a real surprise to me. I know they had some talent coming in uh, with the Gilbert kid transferring in, a couple top 40 kids as top recruits. The The real surprise to me has been the Trey King kid, the and Lipsy kid, Both been huge, Uh, not additions, but as far as taking a step forward, maybe taking over those leadership roles and kind of keeping that program rolling after a successful season last year. I think Texas Tech has potential, but the loss of Devin Cambridge, I think, hurts a lot as a kid that's been around the block, provides a lot of experience, provides a perimeter. Option, though, doesn't really need the ball in his hands to have a positive impact on the game. I like the Isaacs kid. I like the Tucson kid. Uh, have for... All six years they've seemingly been in college. I like the Washington kid up front, but I worry about quality depth when it comes to the Red Raiders. I, I worry about that bench. Uh, I worry about what if Washington gets in foul trouble. Um, I just, I have some concerns with Texas Tech but you know, they have a solid coach, they have a solid backcourt, and a tendency to be a good defensive team. So I think Texas Tech can get there if they if they come together and play well together.
2: And I will say on Iowa State, I think they do definitely have some promise as well, but I think they might be tricking the, matrix, uh, the metrics just a little bit at this point. Up to number six in the net, top ten in pretty much all the predictive metrics that the committee looks at, and the metrics say this team is great, but the same time, they're kind of pulling that old trick out of the bag where you just beat up on a bunch of quad four teams, and that pumps up the metric. So I want to see them actually beat a good team before I'm on board with them, but I do think the upside is there for sure.
0: Well, count me in the group uh, as being both NBA and college basketball fans, but let's release the Rockin' 25 with Purdue uh, with six first-place votes as our number one. Houston with second with two first-place votes and second locked up. UConn, Arizona, Kansas finished out the top five with Oklahoma and Tennessee just waiting for teams to drop. Dominique, which players are the biggest surprise from these teams?
2: Uh, well, I'll go to the biggest surprise team up there and their biggest surprise player. Most of those other teams that we expected to be up there, it's because the guys we expected to be good are good. I don't think anyone saw Oklahoma being nearly as good as they have been at the start of the year. And I think it take away has been a pretty nice surprise story for them as well. I mean, Last year, he was just kind of an afterthought, coming off the bench, 10 minutes, 5 points a game kind of guy. I mean, now he's leading the team in, in steals and points and field goal percentage as a guard. He's looked awesome, and I, I think if he keeps playing like this, Oklahoma's going to continue being really good, and he could even start getting some, uh, bring it back up, NBA hype around him as well, and could be a guy we see playing at a higher level, so...
0: Only 10 games in, but I've really liked watching him so far. I've got to go with Dalton Connect at Tennessee here. Uh, You know, he he may have averaged 20 points a game last season, but that was at Northern Colorado. And now you're playing at Tennessee, you're playing in the SEC. Uh, you, You talk about kids every year transferring up. This kid has transferred way up. And now he's averaging, I think, around 16 points a game. And he's not just still scoring. Uh, A lot of kids will transfer up and do so inefficiently. He's actually having one of his most efficient seasons across the board right now. He's getting to the line over four times a game. He's shooting 80% from the line. He's shooting 38% from deep, 50% from the field. He's not rebounding as much as he did at the lower levels, but I don't think Tennessee really needs that from him. I think right now he's a kid that has exploded onto the power six scene and made himself known to maybe uh, a piece of the college basketball Fandom that really didn't know that he existed before this season. I think he's he's going to play a major part in in the season overall and the tournament.
1: All right, exclusive to the Rockin' Pregame, it is the Rockin' Twenty Five College Basketball Poll with our rocketologists Dominic Lisi and Michael Hunter. Baylor's at eight, Illinois at nine. Uh, Marquette falls out of the top seven after their loss to Providence in their Big East opener. Then you got BYU at eleven, Clemson, Florida Atlantic, and Memphis finish out the top fourteen. Michael, Christmas week traditionally has the dregs of ball games as teams finish up non-conference play with much lesser competition. But which teams could slip up and find coal in their non-conference stocking? No,
0: I don't really know if it's a slip up, but I think that, uh, we're, we're going to find out who Florida Atlantic is this weekend when they play Arizona. You know, Arizona coming off a tough loss to Purdue, considered one of the top five teams in the nation by pretty much anybody who knows anything think the Owls are a quality offensive team which is obviously reflected by the metrics their defense is a bit suspect especially when you consider that their schedule hasn't been particularly strong you know illinois laid 98 on them on a, on a neutral floor i believe and you know arizona has the capability to do just that if not more so I, I wonder about fau if they can pull out this victory that would really make a statement as far as whether or not we can trust them moving forward i think and then you know clemson uh, you know, we used to have a kid on, on the show with us that said, uh, you you predict where Clemson's going to finish, and then he drop him two spots in the ACC simply because Brad Brownell is their coach. And I think that was one of the smartest things he ever came up with because I absolutely agree with that. So I think Clemson could slip a little bit uh, in the non-conference, but I think they've kind of established themselves as one of the top five teams in the ACC headed into conference play.
2: Yeah, I'm just looking at the schedules of some of these teams kind of in that range the rest of the way. And there really aren't many opportunities for some of these bad losses. Clemson, who you just mentioned, plays a sneaky good Radford team. I mean, that could be a trap game. Baylor, who I'm not as high on as I think most people, get a decent Cornell team coming into Baylor right after the holidays. That could be kind of a sneaky. They're looking ahead to their first road conference game four days later. So there's some opportunities there, but nothing glaring where I'm thinking, oh, this team's running into a landmine.
1: Uh, We go 15-21, to Kentucky, Colorado State, Creighton, North Carolina at 18, Wisconsin, Gonzaga's 20, Auburn 21. Don, which teams are looking at their conference schedule drooling because their league is down this year?
2: From that list of teams, it has to be Wisconsin. The Big Ten, outside of Purdue, who were phenomenal this year, everyone is underachieving. I think Wisconsin might literally be the second best team in that league, maybe want 2A and 2B with Illinois. And after that, I mean, Michigan State's been disappointing. Ohio State has been disappointing. And then after that, I mean, who else is there? I and mean, maybe you could have said Northwestern, and they just lost to Chicago State. Maryland's been the most disappointing team in all of college basketball this year. So I think it's got to be those, like, kind of next second tier Big Ten teams maybe not believing they can actually win the league over Purdue, but just thinking, hey, we can rack up a lot of wins in a perceived good conference and get themselves a better seed than I think we expected at the start of the year for them. One team that
0: he didn't mention in the Big Ten, which I think has potential to be the third best team in the conference is Illinois, but terrence shannon hasn't had an opportunity to set fire to that locker room yet so we'll see how that locker room responds they had some issues last year in that locker room with, with coach underwood and uh i believe is sky clark and terrence shannon and that team was very talented and still fell apart i'm interested to see how they uh how they navigate the rest of the season because his team is talented so and, and i think underwood can coach but i think uh yeah, right now it has to be Wisconsin making a move on the rest of the Big Ten. Michigan State, I think, still has potential, but uh, I'm not sure I'm ready to trust them despite their their recent successes. So,
2: Yeah, I think that uh, game kind of makes me just trust Baylor less than trust Michigan State more. I still need to see more than that one game from them first. <laughs> they, the talent is there on that team, though, so we'll see. They have all the, the rest of the season to figure it out, and in this Big Ten, where the depth isn't great, they're They should be able to figure it out against some of these teams and maybe at least squeak into the tournament.
0: Yeah, I think you're going to see a season where we get closer and closer to conference tournament. There's going to be a lot of teams jumbled up around 500 and and fighting for seeding heading into that conference tournament. The last four teams in the Rocket 25 has Iowa State, James Madison, Ole Miss, and Colorado. Michael, could we have an undefeated James Madison at the end of the year because they took down Michigan State and won't be tested again until the NCAA tournament? Or will the pressure finally get to them? You know, it's certainly possible given the quality of their opponents. You know, they talk about a team that gets up and down the floor. They shoot the three really well. They defend the perimeter very well. They turn their opponents over at a, at a very nice rate that you like to see defensively. But, you know, they also give up, you know, quite a bit of offense rebounding. I wouldn't say that they're a walk past Appalachian State when you have to go to Boone. Appalachian State's a pretty good team. You know, we talked about last week, or last time Dominic and I were on, Texas State also hang with the Texas Longhorns for 25 minutes, and you know, if if, maybe if Texas State can get up for that game when they're hosting, Texas State has been a, a pretty solid basketball program over the last five years, so you know, you catch them sleeping on the road, anything's possible, but Right now, James Madison easily looks like the best team in their conference. They look like it easily run to the NCAA tournament. But this is why we love the sport, because strange things happen every single year. And you're going to get to the last five, ten games of the season And maybe they get a little complacent and maybe they drop a game they shouldn't. If I had to guess, I would take the field over an undefeated season.
2: Absolutely. I mean, you hit the nail on that with Appalachian State, too. I think they're actually a threat to James Madison, not just a a far and away second best team that could maybe beat them. I mean, we saw what they did against Auburn at home. That didn't feel fluky. They put it to Auburn at home. And uh, outside of that, I mean, they crushed a pretty decent UNCW team. I like Appalachian State. I would say if that game's in App State, they might even be a one- or two-point favorite there. And like you said, Sunbelt has a lot of tough road environments, so they're going to drop one somewhere, but I I still think James Madison will probably win the conference tournament. Absolutely.
1: Well, other teams receiving votes in the 25 alphabetically are Alabama, Duke, Grand Canyon, Indiana State, New Mexico, Northwestern, um, Ohio State, Princeton, Providence, South Carolina, TCU, Texas, Texas A&M, Utah, and Virginia. So, Dom, since 2019, Kentucky hasn't made it past the first tournament weekend in the SEC and Big Ten. Haven't had a team in the Final Four. Which trend ends this year, do you think?
2: I'll say the one that should end this year will be Purdue making the Final Four. Uh, I mean, you said the Big Ten making the Final Four. I'm going to say Purdue making the Final Four because, we said, Illinois, Wisconsin, decent teams. But it's the weight on Purdue's shoulders to end that streak. But they have all of the pieces to do it. And I think they'd be the clear favorite if it weren't for that loss at Northwestern. And that was just their first true road game of the year. Teams always lose their first true road game. I still think they dominate them a second time around, and they're head and shoulders better than pretty much everyone else up there. So it's it's March Madness, and we've seen teams that are even better than them compared to everyone else uh, lose early, but I'm putting my money on Purdue making the Final Four. They got the talent and the the ability to do it for sure. But it, And on the other one, like you said, Kentucky, I was down on them. They impressed me against North Carolina. I think this is one of their better teams they've had in a little while. I think there's a great chance they make the Sweet 16, but... I still need to see more than just that one good North Carolina win to really believe, but they have the talent, and it showed up in that game. So if they keep it going, I think both those streaks could end.
0: Yeah, given given if I had to rank for three, I would say Big Ten to the Final Four, Kentucky getting out of the the first weekend, and the SEC getting to the Final Four because when you look at it. It's just like Dom said, you're looking at Purdue and Tennessee, I think, as the two viable options from their conferences making the Final Four. And what that boils down to is who do you trust more, Matt Painter or Rick Barnes? And while their success stories are very similar uh, when it comes to March Madness tournament success, I still, for some reason, whatever reason that may be, I trust Matt Painter more. And and I think that he has the inside-out roster right now. I mean, he's even got some guys that he doesn't even really play that are really talented. Like Colin First is a really talented kid that gets about eight minutes a game. So I think Purdue is loaded. I think Painter kind of shakes his demons this year. I think Kentucky does get out of the second round. But once again, Rick Barnes will not make it out of the first weekend.
1: (laughs) Well, it's the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll with our rocketologist Dominic, Dominic Lisi and Michael Hunter. Which game is the one to watch out for in the next week?
2: Uh, In the next week, I mean, we have kind of a little bit of a lull right around the holidays for sure. You already mentioned it, uh, Arizona-FAU. I think that's the one I was going to answer this question. We already kind of touched on it. And FAU's a good team. Even if they lose this, there's no doubting in my mind. But I think this is the game that really proves if they're just a good mid-major that can win a tournament game that had a little bit of a fluky run last year or hey, they beat Arizona, this team can go back to the Final Four. So we already touched on that, but that was kind of the game I had highlighted looking at that question right there. Just to see, all right, is FAU good or are they good?
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's some holiday tournaments, too, that could maybe give us, uh, you know, a couple nice matchups in the the later rounds, but we're not going to know until those results are in, obviously. So uh, I think St. John's and UConn could be entertaining just because it's an old Big East rivalry game. Uh, If you haven't seen Joel Soriano play, he's a guy that can bang in the middle against some of those Connecticut bigs, Uh maybe hold his own if he stays out of foul trouble, maybe give St. John's an opportunity to pick up a huge win. Personally, I don't think that's going to happen just because the Newton kid at the point guard position is such a stud that I think he can pretty much carry UConn to victory if he needs to. So I'll take UConn in that game, but I think that could be a game and a visit to the old-time Big East.
2: And touching on the holiday tournaments, like you said, yeah, the Diamond Head Classic, a good potential semifinal matchup between uh, Nevada and TCU, two teams yeah. with gaudy early season records, but haven't really played anyone yet. I mean, whoever wins that one would be the team that, hey, they finally got a quality win. They're for real. The loser that one could be fraud. So that's kind of a lot of pressure on each there.
0: Yeah, that could be the game that TCU is looking for to kind of gain some believers as far as what their record is and, and what yeah. their schedule has been to this point. Well, where can people find your work?
2: Just follow me on a uh, Twitter at Bracket Dom. Always giving recaps each day's games, what their implications are, and then of course uh, check out my bracketologies on uh, Bracketometry.com as well. Uh,
0: I'm going to come out with the first one of the season January first, New Year, New Bracket. And you can follow me on Twitter at Tease the Dog Dawg, or at least opinions on some some betting and uh, kind of what I'm looking at. A lot of player props have been popular with me for NFL this year.
1: All right. It's, it's our thanks to Rockin' 25 voters, Dominic Lisi and Michael Hunter for breaking down the analytics and the teams. The Rockin' 25 college basketball poll is always available at rock101lubbock.com. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you, guys. All right, we come back here. It is Red Raider basketball. Get you all updated. We still got a Lady Raider basketball update on the way as well. And the Red Raider year-in-review. When we come back, uh, all that's still to, to come before 1 o'clock in the Red Raider outfit of rocking pregame live from Bubba's on Rock 101.1.